This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. In today's episode, I'll be discussing the team turnaround in third quarters, the most recent trade rumors around the Spurs, and the Spurs' last four games. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. So it has been about a week since I last recorded a Spurs cast episode with Colin Reed. And now um, let's go through first. I want to first begin with the third quarter turnaround that the team has seen here lately, ever since Trey Jones became the starting point guard for the Spurs. Okay, so we're going to first break down their numbers offensively and defensively just overall, and then we're going to kind of dive into some specific statistical categories and see what the difference has been uh, for the for the Spurs in these last six games when they've really done a great job here in the third quarter. So before um, Trey Jones got to start basically 33 games, which is a huge sample size, um, the, the the offense on, in the third quarters, they were, they were scoring 99.2 points per 100, which is 30. So dead last offense in third quarters. Um, that's the first marker. That's the offensive number defensively they were allowing 126.2 points per 100 in third quarters which is 27 so almost last as well so that means their net rating was a minus 27 in third quarters which was dead last in the nba at 30th so again they were the worst team by net rating in third quarters um as of uh january 3rd that was that was a timeline from from the start of the season to january 3rd so again 33 games then when pop makes that move to put Trey Jones as the starting point guard, we have seen the third quarters dramatically shift. And so let's look at that shift that happened offensively. And and again, it is only six games. They are scoring 131.8 points per 100, which is six. So again, a top 10 offense in third quarters, they're allowing only 100 points per 100, which is second. So again, the second best defense in third quarters, that's, that's, that's a huge turnaround. And then now the net rating has completely flipped where they were dead last 30th. Now they're all of a sudden first, the best third quarter team scoring outscoring opponents by 31.8 points per 100. And this is interesting because yes, it does involve some blowouts against Detroit against Charlotte, but also in some games where, um, you know, where, where even like Trey Jones didn't start in that game against the, uh, in the most recent uh, loss to the Atlanta Hawks, where Pop basically sat out Wemby, Trey Jones, and Devin Vassell, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, you know, even the bench players still got, still were able to um, come in and, and still be productive there in the third quarter. So again, it's only six games, but the Spurs have completely shifted their th- their third quarter turnaround here in these last six games. And that's that was one of their Achilles heels was, um, you know, having difficulty in third quarters. That's usually where they would lose ball games. They'd really fall behind. And again, in, in these last six games, it's been a, a mark for them that they've been able to get back into games or extend their lead, as we saw against the, um, the, the, the Pistons and the Hornets. So now I want to kind of just jump into some, some specific categories. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to look at the four factors analysis. So again, we're going to focus first on um, on uh, offense, and then we're going to do a little comparison, and then we'll look at defense. So let's talk about offensively shooting the basketball. So when you look at the Spurs' effective field goal percentage, which ties in their three point shooting with their with their overall shooting, their two point shooting, um, they are they've made a dramatic difference here. They're 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 a plus eleven percent. Um, increase in accuracy and in effective field goal percentage. So they've gone from from the worst shooting team in third quarters, 30th, to now 14th, about league average. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good number right there. So that that's a significant factor. Their free throw rate has also gotten better. So they they have a plus 9.6 um, free throw attempt rate right now. So again, they were dead last, 30th and third quarters. Now it's all of a sudden they're 20th. Again, 20th's not, not great, but it's still better than being dead last, 30th. Here's, I think, the most important factor that we've seen and where I think Trey Jones does have a part to play in this their turnover percentage in third quarters. So they have decreased their turnover percentage by 9%. So they went from 29th in turnover percentage to now first, the best team in the league. So they were doing a great job of not losing the ball, 
uh, in third quarters. They're really taking care of the ball, and that's obviously not going to harm them and, and allow easy baskets on the other end when you're when you're taking care of the basketball. So that's a huge uh, turnaround. That that's a big part offensively where I can really pinpoint where they really made a dramatic difference here in the third quarters. And then a number where they've gotten a little bit worse, um, and it's kind of expected because of the lineup is. They have seen a decrease in their offensive re- re- rebound percentage by about negative 4.1%. Uh, so basically, they were 18th. Now they're 25th. And this is expected. Again, it's Wemby at the five. And then he has, um, you know, four guard wings and, you know, Sohan. But he's obviously only like 6'8". So there is – they are giving us some size. So you do expect them to have a little bit more difficulty on the boards. And we do see that there, that they're not getting as many offensive rebounds uh, since they made this change in third quarters. So, again, offensively, I would, again, pinpoint to better shooting in third quarters right now in these last six games – plus taking care of the basketball. That's been huge for San Antonio. Now let's go look at some of the defensive four factors. What has been the difference? They're do- so while they're shooting well, San Antonio, they're doing a great job of, of um, opponents struggling to, to, make the, to make shots on the other end. So they've seen a, a, they've seen a minus 10.2% decrease in opponent accuracy on effective field goal percentage, should I say, for the opponents. So normally the Spurs' defense ranks 27th in an opponent effective field goal percentage in, in third quarters. Right now they're fifth. So again, a, a, a top five defense in, in that category. So so again, putting uh, making either teams are just missing shots or the Spurs themselves defensively are, are you know, contesting more shots, making it difficult for the um, the opponent to make shots against them. Opponent free throw rate is about the same. There's really not too, too much of a difference. So that's kind of just where it was, where it's been all season for the Spurs, whether in the, thir- in the third quarters with opponent free throw rates. Here, here's another big difference. Plus 8.8% increase in opponent turnover percentage. So normally... The Spurs rank 29th in third quarters in not in, in, in forcing opponents into turnovers. So, the, so really opponents don't turn the ball over much against their defense. However, now they are the best team in the league first in opponent turnover percentage during third quarter. So again, that's been a, that's a huge turnaround. The fact that the Spurs are the best team right now in third quarters of taking care of the basketball, while on the other end of the, of the floor, the defensive side, they're way more um, active and, and forcing turnovers of the opponent, which obviously you know leads to some some of these better numbers um, on the shooting end if they're if they're getting more fast break opportunities and things like that. So again, that's a huge mark right there. The fact that they're more aggressive now in third quarters and, and turning, making the opponent turn over the ball at, at, a, at a much, at a higher rate in these third quarters. And then just like on offense, the um, rebound, rebound percentage for the opponent has increased since they went to this change uh, lineup change, should I say? So um, there's opponents are sending a plus 5.3% increase in opponent rebound, rebound percentage. So normally the Spurs are 23rd in this category. Uh, and, and, um, I mean, normally they're 11th and now they're 23rd. So, so opponents are collecting more offensive rebounds against their defense uh, in these third quarters. So, you know, overall, again, it's only six games. Um, we'll see again, uh, you know, I'm going to see what the sample size looks like in 15, 20 games. But right now, since the Spurs have made their, this lineup change with um, with Trey Jones starting at the point, and of course, that happens also in the third quarter. Uh, they have their, you know, again, they've just completely flipped their 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 quarters around. Where the third quarter is now their best quarter when it's normally their worst quarter. And again, I think the key, the, the two key keys there are that the that the Spurs are shooting better, the opponents are shooting worse, and also the turnover percentage. The fact that the Spurs are taking care of the basketball really well, the best team in the league at doing that right now in third quarters. While on the flip side, opponents are turning the turning the ball over most against San Antonio uh, at this time frame. So again, I just uh, did some research there. I was really interested to see what the numbers said, and so it kind of painted a picture there. And the Spurs have been doing a better job even when they're struggling in games to get back into ball games by um, winning that third quarter they've won six of them in a row lately in their last few games against some you know some bad teams but also some pretty good teams as well okay so that is the third quarter turnaround for san antonio 
Our next topic, I just want to give a little bit of an update on trade rumors. So we do know that uh, as I am recording this episode on January 16th, it is a Tuesday evening. The trade deadline is still about th a little more than three weeks away. So, of course, as the, as the deadline continues to approach, I'll continue to address different rumors. And then I also want to have Colin Reed back on here so we can really do a deep dive um, into some of the players' um, Mention the trade rumors and also, you know, provide some examples of maybe what, what what deals could look like. But let's just first, for today at least, just tackle the latest rumors that have happened since I last recorded a Spurs cast episode. So let's first begin with uh, Jetty Osman and Doug McDermott. So last time uh, on the last Spurs cast episode, Colin had asked me basically, and, and we both addressed this, you know, are the Spurs buyers or sellers? We basically said they were they were sellers in terms of two players specifically. And that's that's those that's those veteran players, Doug McDermott, Jetty Osmond. They're both in the final year of their contract. So of course, you know, San Antonio News they knows they might lose lose them in the offseason. So of course they, they might be looking to try to see if they can acquire some sort of draft um assets for for those two players before they lose them in July if they end up leaving the Spurs. And so Mark Stein um on subs on his Substack on Sunday, he kind of confirmed this, that that uh, he's heard that the Spurs have made Doug McDermott and Jetty Osmond available in trade discussions. Again, no big surprise there. It just makes sense to try to see what the Spurs can get for McDermott or, or Jetty if they end up, if they don't have any plans to resign either of those players in the offseason. And just some quick reminders, uh, McDermott has a $13.8 million deal this season. So if any trade was 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 figured out, they would have to make make the salaries work that way. And Osman has a six point seven million dollar deal this season, which is which his contract's a little bit easier to move around uh, in trade discussions. One thing I will do before the actual deadline gets here on a Spurs cast episode, I would definitely look at some potential deals. You know what 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 deals could look like with different players for these two players, and also um, trade player exceptions. I really want to do a deep dive into the teams, how it impacted their cap sheets if they were to take in um, either Osman or McDermott into one of their trade exceptions, different teams. And so again, that'll be a little bit further down the line before, within these next three weeks before the trade deadline gets here. And then the other rumor I want to address is uh, the, just the latest on DeJounte Murray, um, where, where everything stands with with, him, with with the Spurs' interest in him. So like, like we said, Colin and I last week, um, there was that initial report by Sham saying that the Spurs, you know, reached out to the Hawks just to kind of gauge the level of interest, um, you know, in, in – um, in Dejounte Murray. Now, since that happened, there's been there's been some some different um, new details that have emerged. So Zach Lowe on one of his podcasts recently confirmed that he heard basically the same thing that that the Spurs have been one of the teams to register some interest in in Murray. So now we have two uh, we have two credible journalists um, reporting that of course you know San Antonio made this call and 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 has been you know checking in on Murray. Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer had a really good article over the weekend where he basically says that he thinks the Spurs should, he, he, and again, he had a really good um, numbers and, and reasoning for this. He basically said that the, he thinks the Spurs should target Trey Young more so than DeJounte Murray. Now he, again, that that's, that's a, you know, that that's a, that's a bigger trade to try to figure out if the Spurs can do that. Um, so he's just kind of he that was more his um his his opinion is saying that you know it would be a better in, um deal for the Spurs to try to go after Trey Young try to put a package together rather than Murray but he also just gave some more info on Murray and he said this he says that uh, he's heard that the Hawks do want uh two first round picks for for Murray in any kind of deal not just with the Spurs but with any team that wants to acquire Murray and now we know that there's a number of teams that have been involved in Dejounte rumors there's the, the Brooklyn Nets the Los Angeles Lakers um uh, just to name a few teams so. Uh, there, there's a number of teams that are going to have interest in Murray. And so again, uh, O'Connor is reporting that the, um, that the Hawks uh, do want at least two first. So this kind of makes sense. Cause when we look back at the original deal, well, what, what did the Spurs um, acquire for trading Murray to the Hawks? The Spurs acquired a 2023 first round pick, which has not conveyed it. It belongs to Charlotte uh, via the Knicks. Um, they also acquired uh, an unrestricted 2025 uh, first round pick and unrestricted 2027 first round pick from Atlanta 
plus a pick swap in 2026 with the Hawks. So again, basically three first round picks and a pick swap for Murray. So the Hawks basically are looking at it as almost like, like they're trying to get some of that value back that they lost in that trade uh, for him a few years ago with San Antonio. So that's why they are looking for two first round picks from any team that they try to trade with it. If they do move um, DeJounte Murray now regarding the Spurs, having a lot of first round picks, they do have a bunch. They have, they have 10 first round picks in the next seven years. Um, and they also have three pick swaps. So again, the Spurs have the assets, but again, they may not want to, you know, you don't want to go back on a trade, you know, losing what you gave, you know, losing part of what, what you gave up to, to, um, to, 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 you know, the assets, should I say, you know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, so again, maybe they do, maybe they end up looking at that. I don't, I don't know. Again, we'll, we'll kind of d- dive into that as the, um, as the weeks go along and, and as long as Murray remains an Atlanta Hawk for now, uh, before the trade deadline gets here on, uh, February 8th. So again, the Spurs have the draft assets, but again, do they want to do what they want to move some of those draft assets? And then regarding, um, Murray, there was an interesting comment that was that he made, I guess, to uh, to Dennis Scott, who who works for TNT. So what happened was during that Spurs Hawks uh, broadcast on on Monday, uh, Dennis Scott came on came on the television and, and he uh, during the game and he basically gave a sideline interview where he said, um, you know, he spoke to Dejounte. He asked him about him being in the, in the rumor mill. And Dejounte basically said, you know, it's the business, blah blah blah. You know, so what happens? He's going to be professional. But then. Uh, Scott also asked him specifically about, you know, hey, what does it mean? What, what do you think about the Spurs specifically having interest in maybe reacquiring you? And this was an interesting quote from Murray. He said this. He said, Pop is like a father figure to me. I would I would welcome it. But right now I'm a hawk. I'm going to stay professional, play the right way. So, again, that part right there um, opens the opens the door in terms of just uh, DeJounte saying that, you know, if it ends up happening where the Spurs, you know, do figure out a trade to get him back, he would definitely welcome that. And obviously, you know, he, he looks at Pop as, as a father figure. So that was just a very interesting comment. The fact that he didn't just like straight up deny it, like he actually answered the question and say, you know, he would be welcome. He, he would be welcome to a deal back to San Antonio, especially, of course, the opportunity to play alongside Victor Wimbanyama. So that was just interesting that that he actually, um you know, answered a question about about coming back to San Antonio potentially. And then just some other news regarding uh, DeJounte's contract uh, that Bobby Marks recently reported was that uh, from ESPN that Murray does have a 15% trade kicker in his contract where basically if he gets traded and he doesn't uh, and he doesn't decline that that, that trade kicker or, or amend his contract to, to take that out then $3.4 million would be um uh, tacked on to each um year of his deal going forward up until 27, 28, when he has an option year. So, um, you know, you're looking at instead of, instead of acquiring a salary for $18.2 million this season, it would, it would actually bump up to 21.6. And then of course, in the following years, when he signed that extension, now he would get a $3.4 million increase in his salary uh, for each of the remaining years up until that 27, 28. So again, that's just something to look at regarding the Spurs as players that they have on different contracts. They could still make a deal. It, it would be, you know, that wouldn't take too much for San Antonio to create a deal uh, with, you know, one or multiple players to get to that $21.6 million number for this season, at least. So that's just something to, to consider. Uh, like I said, we're going to continue here on Project Spurs to continue to, to monitor these trade discussions, whether it's with, with Murray or Jetty or, or Doug McDermott. We'll just, we'll continue to, you know, any, any weekly Spurs cast will definitely address whatever the latest rumors are, at least from now until the trade deadline. And like I said, I really want to do a deep dive um, into maybe look look at what some potential deals could look like for Jetty and, and Doug McDermott. All right, so now our final topic. Let's just dive into the last four games for the Spurs. You know they've been getting some wins on uh, some wins here, and, and I think it's been a little interesting. So here's what I want to explain about that. Um, so let's go back to last Wednesday again. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. The Spurs uh, are on the road at Detroit. We know that the Pistons are the worst team in the NBA by record. Uh, and the Spurs dominated Detroit. They, they dominated from the start. They led by as many as 25 points. Um, they won by 22. This was an epic game for Victor Wimbanyama in his young career. He put together a 
triple double his first one of his career in 21 minutes really it was like 20 minutes by the time he got the numbers that he needed to he just exited with 21 minutes on the on the statute so here's what webby did he got he scored 16 points 12 rebounds and then 10 assists against that awful Pistons defense. I mean, he just carved them up was finding players and backdoor cuts. And yeah, Wemby just, you know, he, again, in 20 minutes basically is what he did this. And so again, he, um, he, he, he just showed what he can do against a really bad defense there in, in Detroit. So that was a remarkable game for Wemby, his first triple double. Then on Friday, the Spurs are, are back home hosting the um, Charlotte Hornets. And this is another great blowout for San Antonio. They end up blowing out the Hornets uh, by um, 36 points. They it was a close game for about a quarter. Then in the second quarter, San Antonio takes complete control. They end up um, building their largest lead of the season at 38 points. They led by by 38. And Wemby again had a very another very impressive night. Still on this minutes restriction, in just 20 minutes, Wemby ends up with 26 points, 11 rebounds, and two blocks again in just 20 minutes. And then the Spurs again dominated that that game. Then the Spurs on Saturday had a back to back at home against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Wemby because of the the um, the Spurs have him resting the second out of back-to-backs because of an ankle injury a few, from a few weeks ago. Uh, he didn't play in this game, so that's something we, we kind of knew was coming, was that he wouldn't play this game. And so the Spurs did struggle without Wemby, where they um, they fell behind by 18. They actually did a great job of fighting back in the fourth quarter. They forced the game down into crunch time, but they ended up losing by six points. Trey Jones had a great night here. He ends up with a, career, a new career-high 30 points, Trey Jones, and uh, he made four threes, which was also, which was also a career-high. So, so again, they lost that game to Chicago, kind of expected with Wemby out. Um, but, again, they fought, they fought hard in that game. Then the most recent game and loss came against the Atlanta Hawks, like I mentioned earlier. On Monday, the Spurs um, really struggled here early on. So they trailed by 35 in the first half. We're completely getting blown out. Coach Pop made a big change in the in the second half to start the game. Um, more sort of like kind of teach a lesson to the starters. He benched Wemby, Vassell, and Trey Jones, and he started with Blake Wesley, Jetty Osmond, um, Jeremy Sohan, who was having a, even a good first half. Um, uh, Champagny was out there, and then um, one other player I forgot. So you know, the five, there was five players out there, but definitely Wemby wasn't there. Vassell was was benched for this part, and then also um, Trey Jones. And then of course they they came in in the second part of the of the of the, of the third quarter. The Spurs uh, the Spurs is normal starters. Um, and, you know, midway through the third quarter, uh, and and by that point though the Spurs really hustled again. Um, Blake Wesley did a great job of putting some pressure on Trey Jones, really guarding him um uh, full court. And so even though they they ended up losing this game by ten, the Spurs did fight back in the fourth and get it all the way down to six points. Wemby who was scoreless in the first half ended up having a great second half he ends up with 26 points all in the second half 13 rebounds and five blocks and the Spurs did a great job in that second half of really finding him and even Trey Trey Young from the Hawks made some comments uh post game where basically saying that you know in the second half he in the first half he could tell the Spurs couldn't find Wemby he even made the comment of saying he feels bad for him in terms of how the Spurs just don't find him at times if I guess for Trey you know has a really good vision it, it looks like it's just the easiest passes are out there but for the Spurs players it is difficult for them to find him and so he he did. Trey mentioned how Wemby did. You know they found they 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 connected with him in the second half. San Antonio he could tell, and, and they made him more comfortable, and they got him the ball in his best locations near the rim. And he actually had um, his best night scoring in the paint near the restricted area with 22 points. That was a season high uh, for Wemby. 22 of his 26 points. And so again, this wasn't a bad week for the Spurs. A uh, bad four games, should I say, for the Spurs? Uh, they ended up going two and two. You know, Vegas said they should have won that game against Detroit and Charlotte, and they dominated those games. And then, of course, Vegas said they should have lost against the Hawks and the uh, Bulls, and they ended up losing those games. Um, what what I do want to say is that it was what 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 I really liked seeing in this game was it was it was their first test against um, those bad teams. So again, we know that the some of the worst teams in the NBA are are Portland, Charlotte, uh, San Antonio, Washington. 
And there's one more Detroit. Yeah. So those like the five really, really bad teams in the league right now. And I was really interested to see, you know, where do the Spurs measure up if they're, you know, if they have most of their players, especially specifically Wemby, where do they measure up against some of these other bad teams? Are they just as bad? Is it going to be like, like a rock fight? But no, it really showed that they're so much, you know, further uh, ahead of these bad teams. You know, the, the fact that they blew out Detroit by 25, they blew out um, Charlotte by 36. And then even when we go back to that Blazers game a few weeks ago, they, they had a pretty comfortable win against Portland. The one game they lost against Portland was the one without Wemby. So I think that when they're whole, most of San Antonio's core players are available. They are showing that they're not as, even though the record says that they're as bad as these other teams, they're not talent-wise as bad as some of these other teams. I think that that's where you see that the Spurs are a little bit... Um, uh, can't, can't go to another another level compared to some of these really bad teams. And so that was just interesting for me to see. And it also is uh, good for their schedule because in, continuing in this month of January, they're still going to get um, the Hornets one more time this month. They're going to get the, the Wizards twice this month. And then, of course, they're going to get Portland one more time before the um, before January is over. So, again, that was just something interesting to see. Um, as I'm recording this on Tuesday, we are, uh, for the Spurs, they're at game 39 of the season, which means that b- before the next episode comes out, the halfway point of the season will be here at game 41. So I just want to do a quick little um, checkup on where they are 39 games to the season. So they are 7-32. and 32. Uh, They have the worst record out West. They are tied. Um with for the worst for the second and third worst place basically in the standings and the hornets aren't too far behind at, at at the at the fourth worst record at eight and 29 and so we do know that of course that if, if the spurs end up having one of these 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 bottom four records by the end of the season they have some of the best chance the best lottery odds uh going forward into the lottery again we'll see if some of these wins help them um the, uh, the wins that they should pick up in these next few weeks uh help them kind of separate themselves from some of these bad teams Offensively, overall, again, these are just the whole season numbers. They're 28th offensively at 108.5 points per 100. Defensively, they're 24th, um, 117.5. So, again, that's not too bad. We have seen some, some strides defensively. The fact that that was one thing I was interested in seeing was, you know, were they going to be a, a bottom five defense? And and they're they're kind of right on the cusp of not being that at 24th right now. So, again, I want to see what the numbers look like by, before the end of the season. But right now, through the midway point of the season, they are they are showing that they have made it some, some gradual improvement um, defensively. And then also just overall, their net rating is um, minus nine points per 100, which is 26. So again, that's kind of where they stand uh, midway through the season. Thanks for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Spurs cast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on YouTube and your favorite podcast apps. This episode was written, recorded, and produced by Paul Garcia. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.